coming up on Better Place Project. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy. Hey, everybody. Steve Norris here. Today, I'm going to talk about Donald J. Trump, who you just heard speaking there from that infamous Axis Hollywood tape. But before we get to why I want to talk about Donald J. Trump, here are a few more clips we've compiled of him over the last few years since he's gotten into politics. And then on the other side, I'll disclose exactly why I've chosen to make him the focus of today's episode. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. They want to build the wall. We need the wall. And Mexico will pay for the wall. But we have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. And it's really weak to call John McCain a loser because he was a... I never called him. I don't call That is outrageous. He's an American hero. I don't like losers. But, but Frank, Frank, let me get to him. He hit me. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. I have such respect for women. I cherish women. You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account Only Rosie O'Donnell. Every woman lied when they came forward to hurt my campaign. Believe me, she would not be my first choice, that I can tell you. You take a look, look at her, look at her words. You tell me what you think. I don't think so. I don't think so. All of these liars will be sued after the election is over. And I'd bring back a hell of a lot worse than waterboarding. I want surveillance of certain mosques, okay? If that's okay. Oh, throw them the hell out of here. Am I allowed to rip that whistle out of the mouth? I'd rip that Go home to mommy. I love the old days. You know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this? They'd be carried out on a stretcher, folks. I don't throw babies out, believe me. I love babies. Actually, I was only kidding. You can get the baby out of here. They say, I have the most loyal people. Did you ever see that? Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible. Do you plan to visit with the Pope when he comes into Philadelphia? Well, the Pope believes in global warming. You do know that, right? Written by a nice reporter. Now the poor guy, you got to see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Uh, I don't remember. He's going like, I don't remember. I, oh, baby, that's what I said. Whoever the hell brought this mic system, dump the son of a bitch to put it in, I'll tell you. That you will absolutely accept the result of this election. I will look at it at the time. I'm not looking at anything now. I'll look at it at the time. Are you saying you're not prepared now to commit to that principle? What I'm saying is that I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. I'll totally accept the results of this great and historic presidential election. If I win, we will root out the communists, Marxists, fascists, and the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country. They're poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. They poison mental institutions and prisons all over the world, not just in South America, not just the three or four countries that we think about, but all over the world, they're coming into our 
country, from Africa, from Asia, all over the world, they're pouring into our country. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more that we have. You don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. And we're going to the Capitol, and we're going to try and give our Republicans the weak ones, because the strong ones don't need any of our help. We're going to try and give them the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take back our country. And this last doozy where he inadvertently, I'm assuming, told the truth. But we've been waging an all-out war in American democracy. Make the world a better place. Make the world a better place. Hey, hey, I'm Steve Norris. Welcome to Better Place Project, where each week we shine a light on amazing humans from every corner of the planet who are doing extraordinary things to help make the world a better place, including sharing their knowledge with us on how we can be living healthier, happier, more purposeful lives. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 183. So why, oh, why, on a podcast about making the world a better place and learning how we can be living happier, healthier, more purposeful lives, am I choosing to talk about Donald Trump? Now, that's a really good question. I really don't want to talk about Donald Trump. In fact, he's the last human on earth I really care to talk about or intentionally bring up into my consciousness. However, I feel these circumstances now call for it. I feel it's my responsibility to do my part and my small way to speak out. I also know that my talking about this will most likely cost me some listeners. In fact, probably a lot of listeners. But you know what? I'm okay with that. I feel that my being authentic is way more important than trying to please every listener out there. And for those of you regular listeners of the show, you know that I am neither a Republican nor a Democrat. I'm an independent, and I typically just try to stay out of politics on this show. And I'm not here, by the way, to sing the praises of Joe Biden or any other politician. In fact, there's a lot to criticize about him and other politicians as well. And But whether you like Biden's policies or not, for example, at least he's a decent human being and an honorable protector of our democracy. Donald Trump is neither of these. Now, over many presidential races in my lifetime, I have voted for both Republicans and Democrats. And regardless of who was president, I've never felt our democracy was at stake due to a president or presidential candidate until now. Now, as I stated, I don't agree with Joe Biden on everything. 
But I could not agree with him more when he said last month, quote, whether democracy is still America's sacred cause is the most urgent question of our time. It is what the 2024 election is all about, end quote. And lately, over the last couple of months, for the first time ever, Trump has now caught up to Biden and even surpassed him in some polls in the popular vote. This is scary. The thought of him becoming president again is simply horrifying. This is a man so completely devoid of any redeeming values or human decency. But more importantly, or as importantly, I feel he is the most dangerous American in the history of our country. And this is not hyperbole. This man has already chipped away and almost destroyed our democracy during his first term. But if given the reins of the country again, but this time with even more enablers and sycophants by his side, and without the normal checks and balances in place that have held our democracy together for almost, what is it, going on 248 years, our democracy could be destroyed forever. Now, before delving into an examination of the threats posed by Donald Trump's presidency to our democratic foundations, I feel it's essential to acknowledge a fundamental premise. The aim of this episode is not to persuade or engage with ardent Trump supporters. The Trump phenomenon, by definition, exhibits traits akin to a cult, characterized by unwavering loyalty, unquestioning devotion, and a dismissal of contrary information, a complete dismissal of easily verifiable facts. Trump is facing 91 charges, 44 federal and 47 state. He's just this week lost yet another case to E. Jean Carroll and has to pay now, in total, over $90 million for sexual assault. Yet the more crimes he commits, the more his followers love him. He literally could murder someone like he bragged about on Fifth Avenue and not lose a supporter. This, my friends, is a cult. And understanding this, it becomes apparent that attempting to change the minds of committed followers would be a futile endeavor. So the focus here instead is directed towards those individuals who, for various reasons, may not want to engage in the often like polarizing and contentious discussions surrounding Trump's presidency. I get it. There exists a segment of the population that, while not necessarily supportive of Trump, might be disinterested or just fatigued or hesitant to delve into the complexities of the political landscape. However, it is crucial to emphasize the potential consequences of apathy and the historical precedent that warns against complacency in the face of emerging authoritarianism. And that is what this is. To underscore the significance of staying vigilant, it is imperative that we reflect on history, specifically the rise of Nazism in Germany. Adolf Hitler's ascent to power was not an overnight occurrence, but rather a gradual process that unfolded over years. A key contributing factor was the indifference and reluctance of many to actively oppose or challenge the early signs of fascist leadership. 
apathy played a pivotal role in allowing the Nazi regime to gain momentum. As people chose to remain uninvolved or dismissive of the initial encroachment on democratic norms, the groundwork for the erosion of institutions and the consolidation of power was laid. By the time the severity of the threat became apparent, the momentum was difficult to halt. Now, before we go any further, I think it's pertinent to define the characteristics of a cult as these traits are integral to understanding the challenges posed by the Trump phenomenon. Number one, a charismatic leader. Cults typically revolve around a charismatic authoritarian who demands unquestioning loyalty. That's for sure a check. Groupthink. Members of a cult often exhibit a conformity of thought, discouraging dissenting opinions or critical thinking. This is a huge check. There is zero critical thinking going on on this debate nowadays. Facts don't even matter anymore. Number three, us versus them mentality. Cults thrive on a sense of exclusivity, fostering an us versus them mentality that separates believers from non-believers definitely a check there. And number four, manipulation and control. Cult leaders employ manipulation and control tactics to shape the beliefs and behaviors of their followers. This one clearly applies here as there has been so much manipulation, so many lies, and we're going to talk about the big lie in just a moment. With these characteristics in mind, it becomes evident that the Trump phenomenon exhibits alarming parallels, creating an environment where critical discourse is stifled, dissent is discouraged, and loyalty to the leader takes precedence over rational debate. In the face of political climate that bears resemblance to cult dynamics, it becomes imperative for those who may not align with Trump or the cult-like aspects of his following to remain vigilant. History has shown that the consequences of political apathy can be dire, allowing for the erosion of democratic norms and the rise of authoritarianism. The erosion of democratic norms during Trump's presidency became evident through the propagation of the infamous big lie. Baselessly claiming that the 2020 election was stolen, Trump and his supporters cast doubt on the legitimacy of the electoral process, undermining the very foundation of American democracy. The notorious phone call to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger further exemplified this erosion as Trump sought to manipulate election results and subvert democratic principles for personal gain. Our democracy depends upon the peaceful transfer of power. It depends on the person who lost to peacefully step aside. Now, it's perfectly fine for a candidate to ask for recounts, uh, which Trump did and other presidents have done, and to actually use all legal recourse, all avenues possible to verify the outcome, which includes our judicial system. Trump lost over 60 court cases, being humiliated by judges who were demanding evidence of widespread voter fraud. And Trump and his lawyers had nothing. But he and Rudy Giuliani and his other cast of characters, some of whom are now convicted felons for their role in this lie, would take their clown show on television and scream that the election was stolen but then cower in court when they couldn't come up with any evidence. So instead, 
they tried to steal the election by strong-arming election officials using fake electors and then resorting to sending supporters to the Capitol on January 6th. Trump's presidency was marked by many instances that raised serious doubts about the adherence to the rule of law, abrupt dismissals of key government officials, and interference in investigations such as the firing of FBI Director James Comey, which fueled concerns of potential obstruction of justice. These actions not only challenged established legal processes, but also underscored the fragility of the checks and balances vital for a thriving democracy. Beyond the political realm, Trump faces legal challenges related to his personal conduct. With four indictments against him, Trump's legal troubles extended beyond his term in office. Notably, a judge found him liable in a civil case where he was accused of raping E. Jean Carroll, awarding her $5 million in damages. Despite the legal ruling, Trump persisted in defaming Carroll, leading to another trial where a jury recently awarded her a staggering $18.3 million in damages. Now, as I sat down to think about all the reasons why this man is unfit for the highest office on the planet, I quickly realized that if I listed them all here, this would be a 12-hour episode. I mean, his stealing of highly sensitive classified documents is one reason enough. And for those of you, by the way, who are rebutting, you know, that whole incident with, hey, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, and others also were found to have classified information, my response would be, yes, you're right. And so did Mike Pence. But guess what? All of those people that I just mentioned and everyone else that I can think of in the history of the United States that was found ex-presidents that had classified documents on them, they all voluntarily relinquished those documents when it was brought to their attention. Trump was caught on tape bragging about having these documents. Then he said he didn't have the documents, ignored a legal subpoena to provide the documents, and then moved them, attempting to hide them and keep them for himself. Finally, as a last resort, the FBI raided his Mar-a-Lago home and retrieved these documents. Then Trump lied and said, oh, I had declassified those documents. But, but again, this is just one of the thousands of reasons why this man is unfit and dangerous. His presidency was marked by concerning indications of authoritarian aspirations, as I've mentioned. Throughout his tenure, he openly expressed admiration for authoritarian leaders, raising questions about his commitment to democratic values. He praised Rodrigo Duterte, the former president of the Philippines, who was sending authorities out onto the streets to assassinate suspected drug dealers. Just shoot them on the spot if they're suspected of being in the drug trade. No trial, no due process, just go shoot them. Trump praised this guy. That is leadership, according to Trump, but that is not America. That is not who we are. Do we really want to live in a world where the president tells the police officers that it's okay to just walk up to someone on the street and shoot them, execute them if they think they are a bad guy? Is that the kind of world we want to live in? Do we really want to live in a world where the president can murder his political opponent and be immune from prosecution, as Trump lawyers have recently argued for in court? Disturbingly, 
Trump has continually hinted at a desire for dictatorial powers, with statements that suggested a willingness to bypass democratic processes for personal gain. The specter of revenge against political opponents, as admitted by Trump, further underscored a potential threat to the democratic principles of accountability and peaceful transitions of power. Rather than fostering unity, Trump's presidency exacerbated existing political polarization, deepening the divide between Americans. Inflammatory language, divisive rhetoric, and the promotion of conspiracy theories contributed to an atmosphere of mistrust and animosity. The consequences of this divisive approach were starkly evident in the events leading up to the January 6th insurrection, where a mob of Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol, disrupting the certification of the Electoral College results. The sanctity of elections is paramount for the health of any democracy. Trump's refusal to accept the outcome of the 2020 election and his relentless promotion of the big lie posed a direct threat to the integrity of the electoral process. Legal challenges, attempts to pressure state officials, and the encouragement of baseless claims of widespread voter fraud undermine public trust in the democratic system. The events of January 6th further highlighted the potential consequences of perpetuating falsehoods about election results. The Trump presidency left an indelible mark on American democracy with its assault on democratic norms the rule of law, and electoral integrity. The big lie, the attempt to manipulate election results, the January 6th insurrection, legal challenges, and Trump's authoritarian aspirations collectively underscore the multifaceted threats posed by a leader willing to exploit and undermine democratic principles. As citizens reflect on these challenges, engaging in meaningful discourse and actively participating in the protection and enhancement of democratic values becomes crucial to ensuring the resilience of the nation's democratic foundations. So what can we do? We can speak up. You don't have to get into arguments with Trump supporters. Stop it. I'm guilty of that as well, arguing with family members in my own family. But you can let them know firmly that you are going to stand on the side of the truth and democracy. The last election was not stolen. That is a fact. Someone did try to steal it, though, and that was Donald J. Trump. And the message we can send is to speak out. Most importantly, speak out with your vote and not just the presidential election. We need to vote out every single politician at every level who has supported and promoted the big lie right alongside Donald Trump. Let's work together and take care of this. Let's do the right thing. Let's stand up for justice. Let's stand up for democracy. Let's stand up for freedom. That needs to be at the forefront of our consciousness. Let's stand up against hatred and bigotry. Let's stand up for love. These are all key components needed for us to together build a better world for all of us, where we can all live happier, healthier, more purposeful lives. 
Special thanks to our producer, Noah Existe, and editor, Joe Tempogo. Our music was written and performed by Algian Importante. Thank you so much for listening. If this podcast brightened your day in any way, please share it with a friend who you think it might resonate with. Subscribe and leave us a rating and review as that is the single best way to help the show and get the word out to more good humans. For behind-the-scenes info, please visit our website at betterplaceproject.org where you can even click on the microphone in the lower right-hand corner and leave us a message or just stop by to say hi. And you can follow us on Instagram at betterplaceproj and you'll find me at Instagram at Steve Norris Official. Look for small ways to be kind this week and that will help make the world a better place. Make the world a better place. Make the world a better place.